This is the Travelling Through Podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and today is my first walking and talking podcast episode along the banks of the River Thames with Chris Collinson. Chris left his job with the civil service a couple of years ago and is in the process of building a homestay in the Get Mountains of Kerala, southern India, with his partner Shoba. This is his unique story about London, India, the world and life. Welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. Today I'm with Chris Collinson and we're taking a walk along the beach of the south side, along by the Thames. You might just be able to hear St Paul's Cathedral chiming. And Chris has been in India for how long, Chris? For the last... Two years. It was um, in November. It was our two-year anniversary. Gosh, I I can't believe it's two years already. (laughs) You gave up a job in London very willingly. Very willingly. And was it a spontaneous decision to go to, to India? What influenced your your reason to go there specifically? Oh, it was partly London, which, um, although I was born here, I had an increasingly fractious relationship with. It was being sick of, of being a civil servant. And it was the opportunity, I suppose, in life. Um, various responsibilities had um, ebbed away, so that was great. Show my partner is Indian, was born an Indian. Is it near to Kerala? That's yeah. right. Although I had never lived there, her father was a, a public servant and been posted all around the place, all around the country. Mm-hmm. So she'd never lived in Kerala before. Yeah, so that was um, that was the thinking, and I just remember sitting in Archbishop's Park. And I just had this idea that we should go and live in, in India and rang show to share the good news. Uh, and uh, she said, yes, yes, dear. Um, what a great idea. I think hoping that it would all go away. And it didn't. Two years later, we were building a house in this extremely beautiful uh, hilly part of Kerala. And very glad, I think, both of us very glad that we made that decision to go. Yes, yes. And you literally started from scratch, from from literally finding... I mean, how did you find the piece of land? <laughs> Internet. <laughs> I was probably also in Archbishop's Park. I just sort of, <laughs> Internet, uh, you yeah, said? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I just found this piece of land. And um, it took quite some time. It was a couple of years. We eventually bought it and... Um, well, you went out to visit it, that obviously. Se- several times, <laughs> yes. yeah. And it worked out that uh, at least the broker who was um, selling the land was a bit of a crook. But nevertheless, we, we fell in love with the land, largely because of the fantastic views, and paid probably significantly over the odds. But hey, we, again, we're quite glad that we bought it, um, even though we did pay over the odds. But... It gave us something, it gave me something in particular, something which I had been, had been craving for an awful long time, and that's somewhere that's peaceful, uh, very green. Away from squawking uh, seagulls. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I thought, I thought we'd better come here because on the foreshore of the Thames, because it's, you know, it really is the only place 
at the moment during COVID where I can find any real peace. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, it is peaceful as well, isn't it? Relatively. Probably. Yeah, but keep it a big secret though, because, you know, that's true. Many more people, it wouldn't be so peaceful. <laughs> Nobody's in London to come and, and walk along the beach, as it were. <laughs> anyway. no. So we met initially because of Shoba and Osho having an exhibition, her photography exhibition mm. and photographs of India and Kerala too. And I remember particularly of the Jewish quarter in, uh, I think it was in Cochin, yeah. yes, that she photographed. And when you announced that you were going to India and to the mountains in Kerala, I was just very excited for you. And particularly when you brought in uh, the architect's designs or proposals, and it just looked incredible, just that in itself. And I could imagine a view, but has that actually materialized from what the architect initially put together and what you're actually building well yeah the best laid plans of mice and architects <laughs> so we started building um we made the classic mistake i think of not asking for a detailed budget to begin with yes we were given a rough sort of square footage estimate but it was becoming more and more clear that you know we were going oh probably about 70 80 percent over budget oh my goodness um over what we thought we could justify spending anyway um and so you know to be honest um the architect tried to blame the, the builder the builder it simply wasn't his fault he's the most extraordinary builder mm -hmm. um who is as good as his word and actually come in under budget it was down to the architect getting carried away. Right. And is it, was the architect or is the architect uh, from Kerala or was he? Yes, yes. More he's, local. He's, he is from Kerala. And the builders um, too, I imagine. Yeah. 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 But to find the builders, was that the architect's job to find or did you no, find? No, he was um, linked to the plot of land. To some extent, he was linked to the people who were selling the plot of land. Right. Um, and he had an extraordinarily good reputation amongst everyone we spoke to. So we got his services and we haven't been at all disappointed. He's been wonderful. As I say, he's come in precisely on, on budget, his side of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. um, you know, the plans got a bit overblown and um, far too expensive. So we've had to redesign. And the architect's been good. He has redesigned and we've cut out quite a lot of the, uh, the expense, uh, yeah. except that now we've got a three bedroom place instead of four. Sounds awful, doesn't it? Uh, for <laughs> us. Uh, but we're paying, you know, um, about a third more that we were going to pay for a four bedroom place. So okay. you think that's the yes. scale. Of, yes, that's quite of significant, it, yeah. isn't it? Big bedroom, the fourth one. <laughs> well, it's just big everything, really. Initially, Shoba sent me a, a message, I think it was back in May, saying that she'd been listening to the podcast and how was life and everything. And it's taken me literally until I think it was yesterday to contact her and say, oh, everything's going fine. Yeah, how is it going in India? And um, she sent me the photographs of the house on the on the hill and the perspective, the, the countryside around it. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, it's what we both fell in love with, and it's very wild, you know, which is the thing that particularly attracts me to it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big walker, and you know, when I was living here in in London, uh, I would take the train out 
as often as I could, which was at least once a week. Yes. And go and walk in Kent. Um, but you know, you don't get that quite that same buzz when you go for a walk in Kent as you do it in our local <laughs> place, where you know there's a good chance you'll meet a, a snake, and there's a good chance that snake will be poisonous. And yes, yeah. They're not as dangerous as people might think. You just they don't bother you if, if you don't bother them. Yeah. But there are other, you know, there are bigger things like elephants and, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. and buffaloes and uh, a leopard's been spotted re recently. I mean, Sho and I haven't seen any elephants. We've seen lots of sign of elephants, big right. elephant crap basically on the road. And yeah. the site where they've gone through banana plantations and destroyed swathes crops. Um, yeah, but we have seen lots of snakes, and including yes. having one very poisonous snake in our bathroom, which uh, eagle-eyed Trober spotted. Um, so, so how did you how did you get rid of it? <laughs> I called somebody else. <laughs> course, I get somebody who's more um, <laughs> more courageous doing. than you. <laughs> like yeah. that's definitely what I would do. Man with a stick, basically. Who then okay. Beat this rather beautiful creatures to death, but that's, oh, no. that's the way that is that know, what happens? The way they do things out oh, there. Oh gosh! So, um, but did you? Um, in terms of meeting wild animals, obviously you've got elephants and tigers up no, there, not tigers. No, the last tiger was actually trapped and killed about 20 years ago. Although they are making a comeback over the other side of our district, which is Wyanad. Um, and, okay. Um, yeah, which is lovely, as long as you're not uh, at the, uh, in the jaws of a man-eating tiger. Of course. And that has happened quite a lot in the last couple of years. Okay. Well, quite a lot. There have been... I think probably three or four instances happening. So these wild animals, I mean, what is your, we were having a little discussion before we started chatting on, on, on the podcast, but about your strategy of dealing with these wild animals if you come face to face with one? And are you nervous about coming face to face with one? Uh, yes, nervous, but quite excited too. Uh, <laughs> are you? So, and Shoba uh, feels the same? No. <laughs> no uh, I can imagine. <laughs> no, she's very much more of a city, city a si person than I am. Yes, uh, yeah. So it's been, uh, this is remarkable, her, her adaptation has been, you know, I was pretty well totally at ease right from the beginning, whereas it's taken her uh, a while longer to, to come to terms with all of this. But she's doing a great job. And, yes. Um, uh, you know, I'm very proud of her, actually. I think she's rather proud of herself, which is great, too. And she's really taken to butterflies, photographing them, identifying them, other other insects too. In fact, she did yesterday. She sent me a photograph. I mean, this is the this is the kind of for me still amazing thing about internet and and WhatsApp and 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 just generally uh, technology is that in a flash she can send me a photograph from India in the middle of the mountains yeah. of a beautiful butterfly. She's just taken. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, uh, it's wonderful, isn't it? It really brings it to you. I mean, I'm very excited to actually come and visit you eventually. Well, you're very welcome. Um, and you know, um, the plan is to open what they call a homestay out there, which is kind of a posh guest house. Okay. Uh, which will be full board. So, uh, of course, you know, you'd be very, very welcome as a non-paying guest. But, you know, <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I would bring my own. muscles and come and help with the the garden or whatever your your um, building. In fact, I remember you saying to me that one of your dreams was to have a large strawberry patch or strawberry fields. Is that still something that you dream of? Um, it's, it's certainly gone to the, down the bottom of the 
priority list, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with the idea. It wasn't the big strawberry peel, but it was hydroponics. Hydroponics, um, okay. Using, you know, basically it's artificial soil and growing, um, growing plants in nutrient-rich water, basically, that's constantly circulated. Yes. Um, and, I've, you know, I find that quite an exciting prospect. But to be honest, there are so many things that we need to sort out yeah, uh, yeah. before we can settle down. That'll probably be... Yes, the strawberries are way down the list. That's a sort of <laughs> retirement project, probably. Okay. So where exactly are you in the phases of creating the home? You've got your foundation, the walls, the roof. Are, are you actually living in there now? Because I know initially you had to live sort of, was it a kilometre down the road or the dirt track? Yeah. Uh, well, the dirt track is no longer a dirt track, or at least not in the crucial places, uh, because it shows just done an amazing job of getting people together to fund and then to build uh, a much better road, which is great uh, because it's not only good for building and it's not only good for the our neighbours who are going to be building too, but um, it just adds to the, our security because we are pretty remote up there. Um, and if we are unlucky to get bit by a snake or something like that, getting to uh, medical facilities is uh, quickly is a really important thing so you know, yes of course um, you want to be able to have easy access out yeah. in fact how do you how do you get in and out do you have a, a land rover or a, how, how, an elephant <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, uh, that was a, an original thought <laughs> although a friend has recently uh, bought a horse and he says that because we can see his place from, yes. from where we are, he just says, "Well, hoist a flag, and he'll come to come to the rescue on uh, Cody." On what? His, on, on Cody, his, uh, Cody his, the... his horse. Oh, brilliant! Uh, but I think Cody is such a pampered beast. I can't imagine that it would <laughs> possibly he wouldn't... be any use whatsoever. Of <laughs> course, he wouldn't be coming vantateur in the, in an emergency. No, she would be plodding. Maybe we need to. We've come to a bit of gravel yeah, and gungy bit, way, and I have got really... the wrong shoes. So we maybe go circumnavigate round the other yeah. way, right yeah. down to the, the foreshore. So you've now got this, this road system, which obviously makes it makes sense to, to know that you can get it in and out. And I suppose if also with the weather, I mean, how has the weather been for you there? Because obviously she sent me a photograph of beautiful blue skies and sunshine, but do you get hurricanes or monsoons certainly there? Yeah, um, I'm not sure what you'd call the um, the sort of winds we get, but bloody strong okay. um, at times. And, and I, I think this is a result of climate change, that the monsoons are always very wet, but at the moment the distribution of rain across the uh, monsoon period is much more concentrated than it used to be. So you'll get, I don't know, uh, you know a couple of weeks of incredibly heavy rain, very, very strong winds. Yes. This hasn't been experienced before. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of worrying. And it does, um, you're, you really are, you feel like you're on the front line of, of climate change and makes me feel pretty guilty about flying and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Sorry, a boat's now gone by. So it sounds like we're by the seaside rather than well, by the River Thames. It's great, there. isn't it? <laughs> You know, takes me away from <laughs> the concrete and the steel and the glass. And <laughs> yes. Everything that makes me feel quite. I mean, you really, London. you do actually have the extremes now of living between coming back to London when you need to, but then going really out into the into the wilds and seeing life at the at a very real and 
uh, raw end and, and feeling a, do you feel a sense of vulnerability at all as a, as a human being in amongst that environment? I feel much more vulnerable here uh, than I do there um, and um, that's because it really is my environment and, uh, and because I like uh, I'm a bit of a boy scout really at heart um, <laughs> I like tying knots and making do and uh, you know yes, uh, you yes. can't do anything about the weather but you can do things about you know if things go wrong you can uh, you can rig up stuff that uh, that sees you through and I love that sort of challenge yes yeah um, you're very practical that way yeah yeah and how does how does um, show deal with that I mean being more of a city girl has she um, I, I mean that's a huge adaptation to have to or adaption, adoption, adaption, adaptation, right. all of them probably, <laughs> that you have to make. Are there any regrets there at all, do you think, at this point? Or are you still very much just got the focus and the, and the target of an end goal of having a home and having people coming to stay? I, I, mean, I think uh, no regrets for me at all, really. Mm. Uh, to show, um, yes, I think, uh, I mean, she, she was very much a Londoner, where I, whereas I wasn't, you know, she'd come here, she, uh, London had adopted her and he'd, she'd adopted it, she loved it. Uh, so she was giving up quite a lot when she agreed to go, um, gaining quite a lot, um, closeness to her family and a sort of discovery of her uh, Malayali Kerala roots. As I said, she'd never lived there before, so she really, I think, had valued that. Yes. Um, and I think finds peace there more and more. But I, okay. you know, um, I, I think she she's in some ways the lucky one because she's really she, she can get the best of both worlds now, especially now she's adapting to to life in in this um, quite wild environment. But the, the other things that we both really enjoy, well, particularly the local community, which has taken us in. Yes. Um, some of them to their hearts, I think. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we feel part of that. I mean, I'll, especially I will always be an outsider, especially as my attempts to learn language have been pathetic. Really. <laughs> but I was, that, so I was going to ask you about the, well, we'll talk about the, the, the language in a second, but the sense of community is, or community it's, it's, is it's so important, strong. isn't it? It really as well. is. And it's, it's a small community and it's a multi religious community so you have it? Yeah. Uh, Christian you have well in order of, of size you actually I don't know where we are it's probably fairly even between Muslim Hindu and Christian right um, in our very local communities yes uh, and people by and large get on really rather well okay um, and that's that's great yes yes um, and we have friends amongst each of those communities mixing between them it's you know, there's, I think there's respect, but there isn't uh, total mixing between the religious communities. But mm. um, you know, by and large, and that's the great thing about Kerala. Um, it is one of the most. It, I think it is the most equal state in India socially. It's very cult. I mean, I just did a little reading last night just of Kerala and, and the and the region. It's so culturally diverse as well, isn't it? From yeah. and and historically so too. Yeah. That, um, it's historically cut off because of the Western Ghats, the mountains, which really did mean that it sort of developed its own unique society. 
um, over over centuries, really. And the western the western Ghats Mountains. Are, are you actually in the Ghats Mountains? We are. Then? Actually, you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, if I was to describe the uh, you know the view from our building, one to the north we have rolling hills uh, covered with sort of coffee and well coffee smallholder plots and uh, some uh, tea estates yeah uh, so very very green rolling hills and the, the valleys fill up with mist at a certain time of the year yeah in the mornings in particular and you oh, get wow. this island effect where the yes the, the rounded hills uh, stick up and it does look like the mist of the sea Oh, wow. It's constantly changing as the breeze takes it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you look the other way, and you've got these um, really quite high mountains. Um, the, the 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 biggest mountain to us are was about thousand, uh, two thousand meters, and we're at about one thousand meters mm -hmm. uh, above sea level. And that's the other great advantage is that the the, um, the climate is just wonderful for most of the year. There's, there's only one month where it gets a bit uncomfortably hot. And, that's May. Okay. Uh, but other times, um, it's it's nice and cool. Yes. Uh, yes. Monsoon is, is wet. When uh, when is the monsoon? Is that so December? Yeah. Or? Uh, it's it used to be extremely reliable, and it would start pretty well the first of June and end sometime towards the end of, of August, and maybe okay. carry on a little bit into September. But now, it really is very um, uncertain. Um, you know the timings of it. Um, Although this year, actually on June the 1st, that really was when it started. Was and, it? Oh, and then it petered out for a few weeks and then came back at the beginning of August. And did you did you feel that it might come back? I mean, is, does the humidity and the pressure decompression give you headaches and you know, oh, it's on its way again? Or does it heat up so much that... No, I'm not that sensitive to these oh, okay. things. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> some people are, but you know, pretty obtuse when it comes to that. <laughs> No, I mean the so the thing about the monsoon is that actually the last three years that we've known we've been there for two and knew quite a lot about the previous one. Uh, the actual averages of rainfall have been pretty well spot on what they would expect over the long term. Uh, over the long term, it's just it's this distribution thing. So although it starts off with a bit of rain, yeah, uh, actually the pre-monsoon time is is rather magical because it's when you get. Uh, lots of um, uh, lightning. Uh, lightning? Yeah. Lightning storms. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Lighting right. up the sky. Yes. And quite often it's so far away you don't actually hear the thunder, but it's wow. it, it's just, it's a really magical um, light show, really. Is it like the electrical storm which goes right the way across the sky rather yeah. than the fork lightning yeah, no, stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, the, and, the, and then during that period, the um, there is something tangible in the atmosphere now I'm not I can pick that up there is something that sends a tingle through my body that um, just extraordinarily powerful really it's, it's something to do with the light I think yeah there's something extra there is something charged in the air yes yeah so that's sort of pre-monsoon okay. um, but I mean to go back to your question so there will be these lulls, but you're almost certain that it will come back and, you know, there will be lots of rain. You won't get away with it. No. So, um, you know, it, it is actually three months, even yeah. though it might disappear for a while. Yeah. You know, it's going to come back. Yeah. yeah. Does that um, at this stage when you're still building your house, 
does that make you feel at all vulnerable? I mean, do you just literally have to go and hide away because of the power of the, of the storm and the rain and everything? Or can you be out in it? How, does it make yeah. you feel fragile in, um, in this environment? Well, you stop building because it's just unpleasant um, yeah. for the, the, the builders, the, the workers to be out there. It actually gets quite cold. Yes. Even though it's it's summertime, you know, our summertime, and yeah, what do we what do we do? I mean, so there are winter some days when you can get out and it's fine. They're always in with a chance of um, getting completely drenched. Yeah, but that's kind of nice. It's warm rain, um, and you know, <laughs> I, sometimes it gets rather comic too. There was. There's a road outside the place where we're currently staying. Yes. And there was a torrent at one at one time. Just it was a stream. It turned into a rapid, basically. Uh, and I was just standing at the side of the front of our, our, our rented place and looking at this. And um, grapefruit, round, you know, obviously round grapefruit, <laughs> grapefruit um, fruits were just rolling down, <laughs> rolling down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I just started laughing. <laughs> it, it, so it can be it can be quite an amusing and quite joyous time actually. And actually, uh, the beginning of the monsoon is magical. It's, is it? Yes. It's, it's you know it just that smell. Uh, show gave a name to it the other day. I can't remember what it is, but there is some technical smell for that. You know that earthy, lovely, wet smell that you get if it hasn't rained for a long time. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and it, then it does, but um, different to that earthy smell you get here when it hasn't rained for a while, and suddenly it rains. Well, it's similar, just more intense, I suppose. Yes, yes. But then the monsoon goes on quite a long time, and you're getting a bit annoyed with this. And I uh, have sort of mild SAD, and you know I have to be quite careful to be out in the sun whenever it is shining during yes. the monsoon, just to sort of top up because it yeah. is pretty gloomy. Is it? At times, okay. Yeah. So it doesn't, it literally doesn't let up at all. It's just when it rains, it rains and you don't see the sunshine for, it, well, for it weeks. Can, it can be, well, weeks, you'd be unlucky, but certainly for, you know, five or six days at a time is, is really? quite, quite usual. Yeah. Okay. I thought you would have been well trained for that, having lived in the UK. <laughs> well, well, that's one of the reasons I escaped, because, yeah, you know, yes. the, the, the winter is a quite a difficult time. Yes, yes. Um, so obviously you aim to get back there as soon as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so I lost my job out there, partly. What were you doing? Was, you were doing well, that? Well, I'm an economist and I was working for a, a an local, economist. Yeah, yeah. Working for a local NGO and it wasn't a very happy <laughs> arrangement. Okay. Uh, and I was um, I was quite glad when it came to an end. Um, yes. But it was just completely at the wrong time. <laughs> you know, I was hoping that we would just limp over the, the the finish line of covid and uh, and then i would sort of have a bit more control over what was the, but basically when i lost my job i lost my visa my right to stay oh so did you oh, i see that's a nightmare isn't it because obviously for showbread it's no problem at all yeah um yeah and it is the worst thing bureaucratically most of what people think about india is true it's a nightmare it is getting better in some respects, you know. Yes, um, yes. There is an effort to make it easier uh, to navigate and fairer to navigate the uh, the bureaucracy, but it's still got a long way to go. Yes. Um, so yeah, the, the worst thing of being there is that a lot of the time I'm treated as a visitor, 
uh, okay. whereas I'm building a life there. Yes. And I would quite like to become more permanent, which, you know, we're working on ways of doing that, but hey, you know, I mean, this is immigrants all around the world, so, you know, yeah, welcome yes. to the lives of others, <gasps> sort of thing. Sorry, I just <laughs> went down on a smudgy bit there. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are the options if you want to go and build a life in India as a non-Indian? Well, yeah, quite limited, really. You know, Sha and I could uh, could get married. We're thinking about that. Um, <laughs> You've been together for quite a while. We've now. been together for gosh, seven years. Yes. That's the best solution administratively. Yes. There may be a possibility of another job out there, which does make things easier. Um, yes, and also financially, I suppose, is it still important to have? Well, it's always important to have an income, isn't it? But um, living out there, it, it isn't expensive, is it? It's incredibly cheap. Uh, we're in a fantastic position because we can both command quite high consultant fees. Yes. Um, so it means, you know, to cover our living expenses, we live pretty well. We don't have to work more than, you know, sort of like perhaps three days a, a month. It is just so incredibly cheap. Two people we found can live there very comfortably for the equivalent of about £6,000. That's everything. Wow. Okay. Everything included. A year. A year? Mm. That's ridiculous. Ridiculously good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously you've got to deal with elephants and tigers and, which is, and which uh, wild dogs and uh, yeah, snakes. Better, you see, <laughs> you know, anyway. Yes, you're, living, you're definitely living at the... At, a kind of front line in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we're incredibly lucky. Yes. Um, Consultancy-wise, then that is that easy to do. I mean, in terms of internet access and all yeah. those things. Even though you're off in the mountains, quite secluded, you're able to pick up. I mean, how does it? Well, fiber fiber broadband has reached our local village. That's amazing, isn't it? It just, uh, just shows that yeah. we're all connected, aren't we? However remote we may think we are, we're not really. Well, I mean, our next door neighbour, Chanduetan, who is uh, a wonderful seventy-year-old uh, who's lived in that area for the last sort of thirty years and knows everything there is to know about the natural world there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he has a very unreliable single phase uh, electricity connection and that's about it really. So uh, he's not very well connected but then he, he doesn't want to be. No. Um, so, and could he choose to be connected more? Actually we're, we're probably just a bit beyond what is easily reachable where we are. I mean yeah. our, our local village is about um, five kilometres away. Right. Um, uh, not as the crow flies because it's very hilly, you know, you have to drive along the valleys and, the, and it's a sort of circuitous route to get there. But yeah, we, it's, which is lovely. So we, we, in a sense, we don't want it to become <laughs> too connected because that's one of the great loves that we have for the place. That yeah. it's, it's, it is remote and it's, and you know, but actually, I mean, the other thing which is rather, which is very worrying to begin with, is that there are Maoist rebels in the area are there? and they're, they're armed and they sometimes time they have shootouts with uh, the police that right. happened last year. What do you call them? Maoists? Maoists, yeah. Okay. Um, they are, I think, probably quite decent people. They, they, they choose to live in the forest to avoid as much possible contact with the police. But they 
they're good at doing things like upholding the rights of the uh, scheduled tribes of which there are many communities in, in our area. Yes, yes. Um, so, but anyway, they, they are armed and they, they have been known to sort of arrive in the middle of the night demanding food or money. But I think, I think the answer to that is just, well, give them. Yeah, <laughs> give them exactly. Give them what they want. Let them go play, on their way. Play off the two sides. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be friendly with it, with each, Not without pissing off either. Yes, yeah, yes. Gosh, um, coming back to um, grapefruit running down there around the hillsides. Um, food, yeah. <laughs> Is it Indian food in this country. Uh, you have your. Did you have your favourite dish or dishes that you like to eat here? And how does that now compare to eating Indian food? Are you in, asking the in, wrong in person? the mountains? Because uh, I have IBS, which means I couldn't. I had a very boring diet in the UK, and I have an equally boring diet oh, in, uh, in India. So, so what what food do you eat in India? Oh, a lot more rice than I used to. Uh, mm. quite, I mean, I get most of my protein through dairy and and tinned fish. Although you okay. can get fresh fish. Kerala being a uh, a state with lots of coastline and being quite thin, you know, the the fish when it reaches us, uh, you know, which is about three hours drive from the coast, is still pretty fresh. So it's, yes. it's, it's good. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's as boring as it was when I was in the UK, <laughs> but you know, perfectly nutritious. So if you were someone who was able to have, what is the food that that most eat, or what does Shoba eat for one? Oh, so she's become more or less a vegetarian, like her parents, and I think it feels healthier for her. I mean, her dad yep. is extraordinary. The 90-year-old uh, the who, who, until a year or two ago, was following us up mountains and not really lagging much, much behind. Um, you know, not a, not a massively active life, but a, you know, a, a life of vegetarianism. And, yes, uh, yeah. Incredibly healthy. Yes. Um, I, I read that the state next to Kerala is, is it um, ah is it Tamil Tamil, Tamil Nadu that yeah. is a vegetarian. They're all vegetarian, or or maybe the book, the Lonely Planet book I was reading was very ancient. I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, so yeah. maybe it's not. <laughs> I have no idea. But, really. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I mean, there are lots. There are lots of uh, meat eaters in in Kerala. Yes, um, and they do eat beef. Um, I mean, they say it's not beef from cows; it's beef from buffaloes. But sometimes you wonder. Okay. I mean, we we don't we don't eat it because it's not it's pretty tough and yeah. not very nice. Do you plan to have, or do you have goats and? I suppose do you get sheep in uh, that part of the world? Mostly goats. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the show the show sent me a picture uh, of herself cuddling a. A goat, a baby yes. goat, um, the other day. So I'm pretty certain I know what I will. What uh, that means? <laughs> what that means when I get back. You know. <laughs> it's a little uh, precursor to warn you, a softener. <laughs> it's it, it's you know you need to be careful because um, things like having dogs, the the leopards, oh the wild dogs leopards, you mean yeah. Well, the, the wild dogs, the doll will take domesticated dogs. Uh, you know, one we'll of take out a domesticated dog, yeah, okay. Uh, Do you have are. a domesticated dog then? Well, we don't, but I think we probably will, partly because we both like dogs, but also because it, it is a security thing. Yes. Um, you, you don't go out and buy 
highly bred dogs because they are so un uncountry wise that they yes. just go and get eaten. You wouldn't go and get a Pekingese or something like that, no, would you? Or, or even a you know, big Alsatian or anything like that because they just die. You know, they are taken by leopards or these wild dogs. Okay, uh, so so you, you, you get a local breed and okay. know, they're much they're much smarter and they're good at staying alive. Yes, yeah. Um, well it's again it's of the environment, isn't it? So yeah. that would make I suppose when you think about it, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You get yeah, and and that's you know streetwise, a streetwise yes, dog. It's kind of streetwise, <laughs> yeah, sort of jeep track wise. Yeah, which is kind of their local, their local roads. Most of them are like. Well, um, what do you know? What what are those dogs called? Are they? Uh, or are they? Oh, mon- <laughs> they okay, are just, <laughs> they are just a Heinz real, Heinz collection. They, they look quite similar. Typical mongrels. They're no they're no breed as such. Yes. Yeah. Um, Creating your place as a homestay. What is it that's going to draw people there, apart from me, obviously, who's, going, who's just totally fascinated by this whole story? Well, but that's, that is it, actually. You know, so Sho's been doing this vlog, giving a running commentary on the trials and tribulations and joys of this big adventure. Yes. Um, so that'll be part of it, the story okay. will be part of it. You've it's got this on YouTube, haven't you, already, yeah, have you? So yeah. can anybody tune in? I think so. Because I'll put it in the show notes for podcast listeners so they can check that out and see what you've been, been up to. Yeah, please do. And with your walking, is the idea to try and create some walking trails for people who may not be as savvy. Coming out to India for the first time, probably going to be overwhelmed by so many things not to mention the beauty <laughs> is your idea to be a guide for them as well oh i think you have to recognize your own limitations and i'm a uh, um, i'm just I'm, I'm a liability i think you're a liability. To, uh, <laughs> so you'd know, have an indian guide uh, <laughs> possibly but because we you know so much of the land around us is forestry land i.e department forestry yes um and you're not allowed in there so are you not you know, you okay to, well i mean fair enough you know they're trying to uh, maintain the, you know, the the flora and fauna of these places. Um, Shall we go up this way, or do we want to walk back, or, or walk keep back, going? Actually, yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. I'm loving walking right by this, by the shoreline like this. I've never done this. I can't believe in all the years I've been in London. I don't think I've ever timed it that I've been here at uh, low tide. <laughs> well, this is, you know, if you come walking with an introvert like me, you, <laughs> you find places like this. Yes, you know? yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so what, what would people, so you seeing it more of as a yeah. retreat? Well, I th- no, I think we can, we are tr- cultivating links with the forestry department. So if there are any opportunities for them to take people out into the forest, then, then you know, I think that will be a wonderful experience for everybody, including us. In fact, I remember now that uh, a show said initially you, that you had a big meeting with the, the forestry people to get permission even to build your house. Is that correct? Yeah, no, that they had powerful. to sign it off. And um, you know, people say that the forestry department is is more powerful than the police. And they do have very strong powers. They can stop you doing all sorts of things, even though you're not actually on their land. If you're bordering their land, yes. um, you know, they can they can stop you building. I suppose um, they might see it as a as a threat to the forestry as well if you you know, have a fire, which, which makes sense. Which is, well, it's yeah. absolutely fair enough because you know we went there partly, largely because of natural beauty, and we want <laughs> natural beauty to be protected. Yes. So I think we're happy to accept that there are, yeah, you know, frustrations when your your objective is to build a house. But they passed all that. 
They did, and did it in record time because Schober is the world's most extraordinary uh, influence. <laughs> Negotiator. <laughs> Negotiator. <laughs> That's uh, her international experience, UN experience. Yeah, I think I think there's, there's a lot to do. I think she just has a natural aptitude for it as well. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so I mean, other things. Um, I mean, I'm in cycling. Uh, there are lots of lovely country lanes, basically. Cycling? So oh, are there? Okay. Locally, uh, yeah. So, so um, lots of dirt track lanes. Well, yeah, but you don't need to go on the dirt tracks. You can st stay on the tarmac, and okay. it's, it's just—it uh, is extraordinarily beautiful. You know, every every corner you turn, there's something new and interesting, and sometimes heart-stoppingly beautiful to see. So, I quite like to get into that. By the time that we we finished building and it is taking a lot longer than we originally anticipated yes uh that i'm young enough to, to do that sort of well, thing well if shoba's dad is 90 and is still walking up mountains and there's no no reason why you can't chris yeah but i didn't follow his example for 50 years of uh, my life pretty much but so I don't a bit of a <laughs> but you're doing it now I'm doing would, it now. Would you say you are doing it now? Yeah, I'm, I'm much healthier. I've lost a lot of weight in a healthy way. I'm probably not as fit, actually, because you can't go walking in the way that I used to in the UK. Yes. But uh, I'm certainly sleeping a lot better. Yeah, you know, yes. I had terrible trouble with sleep a few years ago. Um, okay. You know, so much, that's... Much isn't that extraordinary that you would have... You're, you're sleeping easily even when you know all those wild... Um, sharp jawed <laughs> creatures are out there <laughs> but uh, as i say it's my it's my place and i i, I you know i i love you feel going at home to there to the the, the um, background sound which is yeah. largely uh, cicadas and, and frogs it's okay incredibly loud but it doesn't oh, seem to put me off sleep yeah um should we walk up, walk a, up bit? a bit yes yeah. and how about bird life there is Stunning. it is really? it yeah really beautiful are they colorful as well the birds yeah quite a few of them are but some of them are just big like there is um a resident family of black eagles there which are oh, the most goodness. stunningly wonderful flyers and they will swoop down uh the valleys and you know spot trying to spot prey i guess and it's just wonderful to watch them so um, in fact for bird watchers and bird lovers this could be a paradise for yeah, them to come out absolutely to. And we are sort of cultivating, have been cultivating links with local ornithologists. So that would be another reason to yes. come out. I mean, I think things that would be most attractive is just the sheer beauty of the views from our place. Yes. The natural beauty of the place around, the warmness of the people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you haven't seen a tea estate before, you know, that's kind of interesting. They're beautiful things in themselves, I think. Yes, um, yes. Uh, are so they bigger? Th are the tea estates larger than than the coffee yes they tend to be uh, i mean there are a few coffee plantations which are quite large but the tea estates tend to sort of you know cover whole whole hills um, mm -hmm. and owned by you know fairly wealthy individuals whereas mm -hmm. coffee is more of a smallholder crop okay and going back to the language then and the, or the language barrier should i say i know india is a is a country of so many languages is english the one that you are able to communicate in or are you totally stuck no um so i you know i know enough malayalam to what, what's it go called? Shop malayalam malayalam um, okay to go shopping yes uh, 
and you know, with a certain amount of hand gesticulation, I sort of get by. Yes. Um, I mean, I feel quite guilty about not making more than effort, but then you know, I always have been a very lazy language learner. But mm. it but helps English, when, when, when Shova speaks it naturally, well does she? Uh, yeah, yes and no, but that's probably why I'm so lazy, because I know that... <laughs> she's, got, she's got a grasp on it. Yeah, well, more than a grasp, she's fluent. Yes. Um, did she learn it as a child? Yes, I mean, she spoke it, first, it all first her language fantastic. She spoke. Although, you know, um, English, she's much more comfortable in English. And you see, that's another reason why we want to have a homestay. And it's, uh, it's, not, it's not to make money, to be honest, because you don't make much money. You know, no. we'd be far better off working as consultants. Yeah, um, yes. If that was our only goal. But it is bringing people to us. And there are a few English-speaking people, foreigners, locally. There's a local ashram, okay. a, a yoga guru, not too far away. So there are quite a few Westerners there. And I, I don't feel it quite so much, but I, I, know, I remember Sho saying recently that she'd met a few of these young people. They're all charming and rather lovely. And she said what a relief it was to be able to express yourself freely in English. Mm. Um, and so, as lovely as the local people are, inevitably they have quite a quite narrow horizons as far as the world is concerned. And, yes, um, yes. It'd be great to be able to enjoy both their world and to bring uh, other people's worlds jetting to us, unfortunately, so that we can enjoy that too. Yes, I mean, ultimately, do you see yourself being there? full time like all the time or do you find i mean obviously you've got a flat here will you sell up totally and just okay india is now my life and do you want to see me you've got to come and see me out in india well it's a possibility i do feel it sounds pathetic probably but i do feel very guilty about flying more and more and so you know it's attempting to do that or at least to only come home come home where at home i'm not sure at the moment but yes um, come back to the UK every every few years rather than every year. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah. So we talked about the food. Where do you get your food from? Do you have to go to Cochin for food or can you no, just local now. markets all, or? Well, you know, you can get pretty well. You can get, I mean, it's, it's the, the area grows everything it needs really. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose the rice comes in from elsewhere, but and that's another lovely part of being in the community. People just are extraordinarily generous and just give us stuff. Yes, um, quite a lot of subsistence farming. Well, as yeah, such. sort of kitchen garden type thing. Most of the farming there is commercial mm -hmm. uh, in a smallholder way, but people will grow their own veg and fruit. And you want to do this as well, or have you started growing anything? I know your <laughs> well, strawberries are on the back burner, but... <laughs> it's, it's another, another reason to be lazy. If everyone else is doing it and doing it so well, you know, why? Yeah. Why I always... <laughs> and, we need to go down and you here, can then. get it, and it is so incredibly cheap. But yeah, I mean, at some point it might be rather fun to experiment with, yeah. with growing fruit. I read City of Digins with William uh, Dalrymple, and, mm. and I think his... I think it was, that was his first trip to India. And I just remember in that first chapter how 
this lady he said oh no we don't we don't need we don't need a cook or a gardener or anything and and the woman said to him it's not a question of whether you need it it's a question of you have to because you're offering employment yeah is that the case where you are is that is that something well, that's his, his experiences are well partly being so i don't know how many decades old in yes case, yes um, they're also of northern india whereas ours southern india and they're quite different in many ways and, and kerala is quite different from other places within south india uh, so there is a lot more equality between people in yes in kerala which makes it a very pleasant place to live mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we are incredibly privileged, incredibly wealthy by most local people's standards, and so you know, I think it is. I think it is a, a responsibility. Is it? To is it a responsibility wealth. as well as? Is it an expectation or? No, not really. Not by locals. No, no. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, we make an effort to contribute to people who are suffering, struggling yes. a bit. Yes, um, and that's given us pleasure, helped them out, and also helped to cement us within the local community. Yes, uh, yes. I remember one of the travelling through customers. Uh, her family were from Kerala, and she, I think, she was born in this country, but would, went back very regularly, or still does. And she she uh, mentioned how many bookshops there are in. Kerala and how developed it is or academically more so in the south more so in the south than in in other parts of India I mean I don't know whether you have experiences of other parts of India but for your from your experience of what you're seeing is a lot of it quite familiar with what you've grown up with in London say in terms of bookshops and cafes and kind of culture or is it or is that very different I mean, I'm not sure how to answer that really because it's quite difficult to compare. But I would say that Kerala, when, when I first went there, we were walking through particularly rural areas, I was quite frightened and shocked to see red flags with the hammer and sickle um, as insignia on it. Okay. Um, and you know, our generation, we grew up thinking the USSR was the enemy. Yes. Which it was, I suppose. And so that their flag was seen as a real threat. But actually, what it means is that there's been a real healthy communist influence in Kerala for uh, decades. And very soon after partition, uh, yeah. independence, 1947, uh, the communists held sway. And it's not the only place in India that that happened, uh, but it's the only place where I think it actually has had a really positive influence. Okay. And the only reason I can think or I've heard as a plausible explanation for this is that the people involved right at the beginning were incredibly well motivated. They really believed in equality. Yes. They really believed in investing in education and health and all the indicators, virtually all the indicators, uh, health and education, Kerala comes out on top. Uh, So I think that's one of the reasons why it is actually a rather pleasant place to live because there is this equality between people. Yeah, yeah. So your question... More about the academic side, the bookshops, yeah, the cafe, the culture um, of, of almost so trying to, trying kind of like a westernised... Trying not to answer that, know. I suppose, in a yeah, way. Yeah, I, I mean, so it can't be westernised because it's not westernised, but, but in terms of the similarities, but in a different, in a different way. 
if that makes sense. From well, it's, an, it's an, an Indian way, an Indian well, culture of it's different from, academia. It's, it's certainly different from here and it's different from the rest of India. Yes. Uh, and to be honest, I love it. Yeah. I, and I think, I, think, I think we're very lucky to be in Kerala. Uh, I'm very lucky to have met and fallen in love with somebody from Kerala. It's yes. opened up all these possibilities for us. Yes. Um, and I think we're extremely lucky, actually, in being where we are in this one district of Kerala called Wayanad. It's probably the least, one of the least developed of the districts, but it's, it's charming for it. It's a bit like the people talk about New Zealand being sort of like 1950s Britain. Wayanad is, is a bit like probably 1960s, 1950s. Kerala. It's, it's, it is a bit behind, but it's it's just lovely for it. Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. And um, to get to where you are, where do you fly to? Is it to Madras or? Uh, no. I mean, you can fly to to Kochi. You can fly to Kodakod or what used to be called Calicut, uh, one of the spice ports. Mm -hmm. um, you can actually fly to even nearer the new international airport at Kanur. Um, which is um, only about two and a half hours drive away. Yes. As, as I was thinking about, you mentioned this podcast, I, mean, I think I'm a bit of a fraud, really, because <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've really had enough of travelling. So it's sort of less about travelling through, more about through with travelling. Well, you know, well, travelling through is it's not just about travelling, it's about your travelling through life and what you do right. with it. Okay. So well, from that so perspective, not at all a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> From my perspective, I think what you're doing is, uh, on some levels, very exciting, also incredibly courageous. It's also seeing that, that sense of freedom of allowing yourself to live beyond the life that you've had in London and with a secure job, pension and all the rest of it, and, and seeing what other possibilities life can offer you if you're prepared to take them. Well, that's very sweet of you, but I don't feel courageous at all because I just think <laughs> about the alternative. The alternative was to spend the next 10 years until I retire as a civil servant and probably ending up really regretting it. Yes, um, yes. So but, but many people, would they... I mean, you, you saw that. You had the vision to see that and didn't want that. And you were prepared to do something about it. But I, w I was very lucky in the sense that when I was young and started my career was uh, in international development which meant that I travelled the world and so upping sticks and finding somewhere, exploring somewhere new was very much part of a, a fun life so I didn't have any, any worries about doing that. I think Sho had more worries than I did in that respect because she was so settled in, in London. Yes. I remember her actually saying before she went out there to me that she saw and visioned that she may have to spend a number of months in London or a city because she was such a city person. But she would have to wait and see whether that was actually the case when she got out to, to India and, be, and, and being in that country environment. Or I think a really interesting counterpart to to our conversation would be one with her actually. So, yes, I mean, yes. Oh, my definitely. impression is that if she did come back last year and she loved it and I got the impression at one point she might not come back <laughs> to India. I was still in India. Yes. Um, I think probably 
we need to find uh, some the tide is coming in so let's go back to the last okay uh, yes we don't want to end up swimming to shore yeah um but she did come back and yes. uh, now i think is ever more settled there i mean i think she'll always enjoy coming back and as she keeps reminding me she did give up her career an exciting career in the un for me <laughs> her choice i have to say you know i, mean, it's, uh, I don't feel too guilty no, but, no. You know, it's true she, she did so and she had lived a very international life yes um, she she's getting a lot out of this much much more localized life but also still gets a little kick out of the, the sort of international part of it and as i say that's why that's really why we want to have a homestay so that the world comes to us. Yes, but also for her, I mean, obviously this is, this is, probably, this is a question for her rather than for you, but I imagine that, that she is digging deep into her culture, the culture that she was born into, but almost moved away from for a number of years and has come, has come back into again and to, to be re-experiencing it and perhaps when you're building a home there, it has a completely different meaning as an adult than when you were a child. Yeah, yeah I'm sure that's right. Do you find yourself wanting to intervene at all in, in some situations, or have you, have you actually found yourself having to, to stop intervening? Um, no, we're lucky because we don't... Um, I don't know whether that gate is open or not. We could walk oh, up we can and walk up on the, yeah. yeah. I know the next one, pretty certain the next one. Okay. Um, no, I mean, that's the, you know, the, the luck of being in Kerala where you don't feel you have to. Because actually, the Kerala authorities, by and large, treat the more marginalised people in their society pretty well. Do they? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's an age thing here, too. We're both well into our 50s now, and, you know, although we've, we've tried perhaps to make a difference. The struggle to do that is less and less appealing as we get older. So. Yes, yeah. You're more into self-preservation. A bit more, yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, you're wanting to offer something for others to come and experience India. You're, you're almost, you are feeding into the, oh no, it's locked, ha, huh, into the Indian system. We might have to clamber over the gate, Chris. Shall, mm. we, yes, shall we do that? Okay, so with the tide coming in, we've clambered over the gate and uh, taking the more pedestrian <laughs> route along the, uh, what do you call this? The yeah, South Bank now. Promenade. Well, we knew, we knew Blackfriars, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I try not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, so you, it's more about um, looking towards the future and what you can what you can bring to India in a different, in a different way, perhaps. Well, I mean, or uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is pretty selfish, <laughs> you have to say. You know. uh, but I, you know, I think we can uh, play a, a role in in the local community. And in fact, I think show is already quite a highly respected member of the community. People just show up because they want to talk to her. Okay. Uh, or quite often they want to talk at her. If, yes. If you're a, a man in Kerala, that's what you do. You talk and you often don't listen. So, uh, but anyway, so she has a, a status and that's getting known. Um, and people just show up or 
are told by our acquaintances and friends that they must go and talk to Shober. Uh, <laughs> so is she staying in the in the house on her own, or is she? No. Um, she, she living so with other people. Just well, she. Uh, we sort of kidnapped her parents right at the beginning of um, <laughs> pandemic. I did uh, see a photograph of her mother watering the cured concrete of part of the road with an umbrella oh, yes, from so the sun. That was lovely. Well, I mean, I used to work in public health and I kind of knew what was coming as far as the pandemic was concerned. So we got them over to stay with us. What they thought was for a few weeks. And I, I think both of us knew that it was likely to be several months. It's now eight or nine months. Right. Um, so living with her parents who normally live in Bangalore, which is one of the cities that's been pretty badly hit by, it, yeah. uh, by COVID. All of the major cities, cities have, have they? And her brother too, Sanjeev, um, okay. has come from Hyderabad where he was very isolated for seven months. The only contact he had was with the shopkeeper in his compound in Hyderabad. Wow, for seven uh, months, that's seven pretty months. tough. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, and that's very relieved to be out of that. Yeah. So she's, she's surrounded by family and, uh, and that's um, generally pretty good yes yeah yes is any work getting done <laughs> on the house or <laughs> on the house uh, yeah just about we're about to restart so yeah to, and that's because the the typhoon or the monsoon, oh, monsoon sorry the monsoon season is uh, yeah, over now largely because of that um plus also this redesign that i i spoke to about i think before you started recording and uh Oh, with you know, it was a massive. Uh, it just they were spending money. They were going to be spending money we didn't have. Okay. So, uh, so what did you you you're now a, a bedroom down? Yeah. And um, but did you um, materially change the design of the house as well, or has that effectively stayed? Yeah, the it's, same. No, it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a much more conventional, but actually much more practical design. Okay. The, yeah. the architect is a very much an urban architect. I want to be a bit careful about what I say because he's actually a distant family relative and he is actually a very talented architect. He's yes. He's used to building houses in a very different context. So, yeah, um, and I suppose at the beginning, your enthusiasm, you probably all got a bit carried away with what possibilities were and then it always changes when you actually start building, the practicalities kick in and, and you realise there's more to this or the land, the contingencies and well, how the land is exactly and everything right. all, all yeah. have have an impact and that's quite normal that you have your idealised dream design and then you have what becomes the reality. And that's been another process. So one process was, you know, it was getting far too expensive. The other thing was, as we lived there, yes. we, we really began to understand that um, actually having no indoor access between different parts of the house was not a great idea oh. you know uh, in the middle of the night if you need to get to the kitchen yeah it's not so bright to have to walk out into an area where you could a leopard could be sleeping or a, a <laughs> really? snake could be lurking or and that was something that show picked up on very quickly and I, I wasn't as quick to pick up on and she i think she was quite nervous to begin with to suggest to this architect quite a forceful character yes uh, willing to play all sorts of games to get his way but we did learn to say no this 
simply isn't going to work yeah. because as we build the confidence in knowing what the local environment was like, yes, uh, we could see very clearly that it was a bad idea. Some, yes. of, the, some of the design ideas, as pretty as they would have been, as, as lovely architecturally, and as yeah, you know, I think he was hoping to win awards with this okay. design. Uh, but the bottom line is, you are the ones there. who are going to have to live there, yeah. but not him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that in the end has to be the the priority. Yeah. One would hope. Yeah. Even for the architect. <laughs> so yeah. when, at the moment, how f how far through are you with all all the works, and and how how much longer do you do you think it's going to take, or is that is how long is a piece of string? Uh, yes. Question. It is <laughs> okay. I'm afraid it is, <laughs> especially as uh, as we've gone along, we're just constantly having to revise our. Uh, estimates of when it might be finished to the point where we don't have any estimates anymore. <laughs> okay, uh, just going with the flow. Just going with the flow. Yeah. And it, you know, it is part of the experience. And of although, course, yeah. Know, it hasn't been always that easy the last couple of years. And it's, you know, we've put a lot of money into it. And, You're uh, invested and put a lot in of it. Time, yes, yeah. yes. I don't regret any of it, to be honest. It's That's been good, a pretty yeah. great experience overall. Yes. Yeah. So um, are you at, are you at the stage where you you are actually living in it and you can cook or is it like camp stoves and and um, sleeping bags? We're probably <laughs> well. You can estimate it in terms of number of labour days. <laughs> you can't estimate it in terms of you know elapsed time because you know it's just too too uncertain. So many things happen. Yes. Uh, and so you don't know. But I would thought we're probably about a, in terms of solid building time, we're probably only about three three weeks off oh being able goodness. to move into part of it. Yes, yes. Uh, the first part of it, how long it will actually be in terms of calendar months. Uh, Basically, uh, what I'm trying to say is, when can when can when I come can and come stay? You can come and stay any time. Really? Um, what would be what would I be living in? <laughs> well, at the moment, you'd be living in a very comfortable house down the hill in our you know in our local hamlet. Um, okay. And that would be fine. But even you know even when we move in, it yes. would be pretty. Every 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 bathroom, every room, every bedroom is, has its own bathroom, and this is. This is normal in, in Kerala. Is it? In, all, in wow. pretty well all houses. So you won't exactly... I won't be slumming it. You won't be slumming <laughs> it, no. So coming to that area, and, and I mean, initially, that probably there was no services at all, no, no plumbing, no, no electricity, no drainage, no sewage mm. system. How, how difficult was that to create all of, all of that? Well, it... Do they mean, just have to put in a few more telegraph poles to get the electricity up to you, or was it? Um, which is exactly what Show organised, and again okay. did a, a big effort uh, to get a bunch of people together to fund it. Uh, yes. And then the local Kerala State Electricity Board came up with a team of incredibly, uh, incredibly hard-working and tough individuals who just put these posts in. A matter of a few days and got us connected, uh, <laughs> and they were they were delightful, really delightful people. And we, yeah. we that's still one of the lovely things, you know. Every now and again, we're out on the driving along the road, and we see this gang of, uh, of of people, and we just stop and wave, and and they're very friendly, and they remember us. And, yes, uh, it's fun. <laughs> we th we think if we we could get them to build our house, it would probably be built in a month. You know, they were so. They were right on it, were yeah, they? Very proactive.
very good people, but I suppose <laughs> they probably make lots of money doing what they do, so we couldn't attract them away from it. No, well, that's the thing, isn't it? So you've built your, or you're in the process of building this home, and hopefully it will become it's to be a homestay. How are you going to advertise it? Is it going to be very much a word of mouth thing? Are you going to are you going to carry on with your YouTube videos and and um, I don't know, is Shoba going to become uh, be teaching people how to cook and um, <laughs> well, you're I going mean, to be taking people out into the wilds with an, with another guide because you're so unreliable yeah. in search of elephants and tigers. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so, uh, I mean, we will be employing people to help with cooking and stuff. But what, that is one of the things that people say they really enjoy. It's the chance of learning how to cook in a yes, Malayali yeah. style. There are companies in in Europe and UK that specialize in putting together bespoke holidays so if you get on their books yes uh, then hopefully they'll do a lot of the the legwork the legwork for mm. I mean you asked earlier about what the attraction is well is the natural beauty is the friendliness of the local people is, is all of that but I think also most people would come to stay with us for you know a few nights maybe up to a week but as part of a more traveling through i suppose yeah. you could see that they could start on the coast do the spice ports sort of thing do the the backwaters yes you know stay on the boat for a few nights in these beautifully tranquil lagoons and then travel up the hill of the mountains uh, to us everything gets cooler and much more pleasant and it would be a sort of chilling out experience then they can move on to some friends of ours or in fact a relation of shows who run something called jungle retreat where pretty well every night you'll see elephants and you might well see tigers too okay so you can do all the wild beastie things and then yes. you could um, move on to mysore and do the the palaces and all the cultural delights of that and that's you see and each each step of the way is um, only about two or three hours drive so that should be a very very pleasant thing to do definitely yes, um, and yes. The, the worst thing in the world as far as i'm concerned the uh, uh, worst way of traveling in the world is to travel by car in india so okay <laughs> can you travel by train you and can't that? no you can't are, okay but, so, but you want to limit i find you want to limit your exposure to it not too much in one go so two, <laughs> it's two too terrifying is it <laughs> well they're just absolutely in love with cars um, okay and, and speed uh, and uh, uh, take, uh, overtaking around blind corners. Oh, okay. You know, that's the thing that yes. scares them. When you value your life, it is a terrifying experience. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've never really quite understood what their attitude to life is. Well, I always think that if people are driving like that, you have to hope that they also value their life and they're, doing, <laughs> they're not just doing it for the thrill, you know. There, but, um, there does seem to be quite a lot of acceptance within the culture. It's a bit of fatalism. Well, it's gonna, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Sort yeah, of thing. yes. So that's, uh, that's pretty worrying. Okay. But in terms of having that full uh, uh, cultural experience of the region of Kerala, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty unique one. To have all those different elements of, of well, being so. in the city, going yeah. up into up to see you, and so you've got a well traveling through podcast is the first to promote it, and it doesn't even exist yet, <laughs> but it will do. Maybe I need to come out and well, not maybe I shall come out and uh, podcast interview Shoba yeah. in 
Yeah, in your a new year's home. time or yes, something like that. Yes, in a oh, year's we time. Moved, we hopefully moved in. Yes, we'll give it a, a strong promotion from, from the location. Yeah. On location, as they yeah. say. Yeah, so I am, a, as I call myself, a, I'm a shoebox podcaster, so I can travel very easily by bicycle, on foot or any other means. <laughs> Maybe right. not by the car, though. Might have me walking up. Or taking the horse. Do you think we get Cody well, yeah, involved? We'll get, we'll get Cody and uh, <laughs> yeah, our friend Sabu. I'm, I'm, I don't I'm mind taking that, longer to get there. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. He, he, Sabu, our friend, is uh, Doctor Doolittle. Really, I'm sure he actually talks to the animals. Oh, does he? Has he has such a such an affinity to all sorts of animals. It's like, uh, you know, actually, there's another thing. You know, there's another plug to make. Uh, Wyanad Village Resort is. Uh, it's just a wonderful place to stay, not least because of the two brothers, Sonny and Zabu. Uh, but they have a, a complete menagerie there, which is turkeys, geese, all sorts of exotic chickens, the horse, dogs, <laughs> uh, all sorts. You know. uh, why, why do they have that? Is because Zabu loves it. Okay. Um, he is Dr. Doolittle he then. He really is Dr. Doolittle, yeah. yeah. And have they always lived in that house i mean as a no i mean like a lot of malayalis they worked in the gulf and then unlike a lot of malayalis they then worked for quite a few years in bermuda mm-hmm. um you know saved lots of money and then went in with some friends to build this resort um small resort very yeah. tastefully designed locally they're actually from the coast um, okay. but i think they like us, they really appreciate just the beauty and the beautiful climate of, of Wyoming. So they're spending most of their time um, up, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yes. Near us. Okay. So I think, I mean, Chris, we were talking about so much, but and I've asked you loads of questions. Are there any questions that you wanted me to ask you that perhaps I haven't done, or you'd like to add in there from what we're discussing? <laughs> uh, I can't think of a single thing. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things that I, I've surprised myself that how many things I wanted to talk about, really. And there are, as you've asked questions, all sorts of answers have occurred to me. Uh, and I've forgotten what I wanted to say. Oh, no, I'm sorry. So that's, that's, <laughs> Hopefully you know, that's we covered fine. it as a result. <laughs> Probably, in a random way. In a way. random way. Yeah. But if what, what would be the one piece of advice or a piece of advice that you would give someone on the verge or thinking of getting out of the rat race and doing something like you? What, what would be the piece of advice that you would give to them? Oh. Gosh, I don't, really don't know. I might need to come back to you on, on that. <laughs> Perhaps don't feel bad if, if it's not for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, be prepared, I suppose, for it not to work. Or... Well, you know, staying in the civil service until you retire might be the right thing for some people, so don't, yeah. uh, don't feel... Like, you can't, yeah, you can't yeah. do it. You can't yeah, make if, that move. If you can't make do, the move, that's fine. You know? Yeah, yes. But if you do feel you can, you can do it, don't hang about. <laughs> okay. Uh, from your own perspective, looking back on what you've done so far and how far you've taken this whole project, is there anything that you would have done differently? Cool. Uh, gosh. Yes, but, but uh, you know, not in terms of the big stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some ways we would have settled for a much less ambitious building. Okay. Uh, and gone for sort of a local, a local design, a much more local design of house, because it has delayed quite a lot following this sort of 
city architect path has been very interesting and we've learned a lot but we probably would be living in our house by now possibly quite quite happily if we just got our builder to design uh, a house for us which he's done for other people okay. okay you know they're okay yeah. but then again there might have been regret if only we'd that, done yeah if, if only you know because it will never work perhaps perhaps there's a chance of it working as well as an architect design house pretty minimal um there would be that could have been in our in our nice bungalow um regretting that we hadn't gone for an architect so you, you know i mean so i mean basically no i mean i, I think um realistically you know we'd certainly made mistakes but then <laughs> We've learned quite a lot from everything we've done there, good yes. and bad. Yes. So I'd, I'd like. To, no, I don't think there's too much. To so that that day sitting in Archbishop's Park, when you first suggested the idea to to show her or to show, it's just taken on on a life of its own, really. Well, it yes, it has. And from that moment, did you find that a whole weight just lifted off your shoulders and you, when you thought of there was a life beyond where you were at that point? That was very much what I was looking for, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I joined the civil service for uh, a, a family reason, really. Um, you know, I, had, I, had, I had a new family and uh, all of those reasons had disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I wasn't enjoying being in London. I'm not an adrenaline junkie by any stretch, but actually I quite like having uh, a need a little bit of adventure uh, just to be happy. Yes. And, and this has provided it wonderfully. You mentioned that through your work that you actually travelled quite widely yourself. Yeah. Out of all the places that you went to, where has had, would you say, has had the biggest impact on you? Had, did you was India one of those places that you visited? No, it wasn't, time. and I always regretted that, and I'm, I'm very glad that I've now had the opportunity. But what's um, the first place I, I lived and worked in abroad was Papua New Guinea, mm -hmm. and uh, I, it's funny how uh, Wayanad uh, in, in our local environment just reminds me of that, of that place and the, and the thrill oh, really? of just being there. And in many ways, they're very different. You know, Papua New Guinea is most of the places I were. I was where coastal, whereas this is not. Yes. Uh, this is mountainous, but there's something about it, and it might be the the coffee grown, which you know it's the commonality between the two places, or in, in any number of things. But I just get a very similar sort of sense to to the two places. Yeah. It's fun because I was quite young yes. when I went there, and I'm still getting the enjoyment out of being in these places. Yes. Uh, so that same feeling, so that same feeling came back. That's quite extraordinary. That yeah. yeah. there was obviously something that had a triggered something in you. That yeah, no, absolutely. Which I, I, I need to be happy. I think. Yes. Yes. And you know, there was, you know, I think running away from your problems is a bad idea. But actually, travelling away from your problems to deal with your problems is a very good thing to do. So being yes. away from some of the things that you know, I found troubling, uh, personal things that I found troubling in the UK, having that distance is, and, and actually thinking about them a lot uh, yes. has been has been a great thing to do. So that that's another good reason to, yes. to don't run away, but you know, give yourself a space. To give it uh, some perspective. Mm. And has that made a difference? Have you realised that from coming back that that has happened rather yes. than, yeah. 
Yes, I think I've realised it before coming back. I mean, I don't relate it to how much sleep I get. I'm sleeping so much better than I used to. Right. Um, absolutely. Yes. Um, brilliant thing to have done. And I'm, I'm, in terms of my earnings, I'm earning a fraction of what I used to, but I, I, I don't think it's invaluable, the, the experience and the and this greater sense of peace that I have now. You've got a train going over there. <laughs> yeah, peace. <laughs> I think it, it certainly is a it's a sense of um, quality of life, isn't it? And and what what that means to you as a person because everyone is different, and whether you can getting that or feeling that or living that with the minimal amount of stress to yourself in the process is really important. It's getting the balance. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a, it was an easy decision to make. In, in many ways because I knew what we were going to face and by and large I was right and we were right I think you know it's been challenging but all of the stuff that we predicted I think but you never quite prepare yourself for it so you no. never quite realize just how hard it's going to be you might be able to foresee the areas the things that will be difficult but you know when it actually becomes difficult you're thinking god this really is yeah, difficult yeah this really is difficult isn't it yeah. so in, uh, on that note what what would you say has been the most challenging thing for you in this period? I think relationship-wise, really. So we've been together for seven years. We've been together for five years, and we've discovered a lot about each other <laughs> in the last two years. Yes, yes. Uh, and it hasn't been easy at times, you know. Is that uh, because of differences of expectations and how you saw the project? Or no, no, I think ultimately we, we see it very similarly and in fact in virtually everything uh, despite thinking we have differences my, my my feeling is that we see things extremely well we just communicate really badly at times. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all i think that goes for all relationships but uh, i think ultimately if you isn't that that's actually probably the most pleasant thing at the end of it is it then that you realize actually you're both wanting the same thing but you've just communicated it in a uh, way to each other that you thought you're at odds when in fact you're not at all but it, you go through a fairly painful uh, process to, to discover that. <laughs> okay. you know, it'd be nice to avoid that if you can. Of course. And I think yeah. we're getting better at avoiding that. Uh, yes. Too. Yes. And what has been the most, if I can use the word, joyous thing about this whole process over the last um, few years? What is? What's several things. Uh, I mean, two things actually sprung to mind. Sprung to mind. That's the local kids who are just. <laughs> delightful yeah. and, and just you know, melt your heart and the fact that they many of them come from pretty impoverished backgrounds but nevertheless are, are bright chatty engaged and really want to learn yeah and in fact show and her mama during this time with the epidemic there no schools you know they're taking on the role of teaching some of these these kids oh, wow. and, the, and the kids are very keen you know you can't quite imagine the same ever being the case here yes yes so that that's one thing uh, just the joy of seeing show enjoy it more and more and do things like um, go for a walk on her own and get so into her butterflies photography yes. and, um, that sort of thing that that's, gives me an awful lot of pleasure mm -hmm. uh, but then you know other things just being on our plot and that's the thing right? actually that's one of the things that really carried us through our plot is the bit of land we bought is is stunningly beautiful mm -hmm. uh, and it's very peaceful yes and it go up there after a shitty 
period for whatever reason and we just remind ourselves that it's really worthwhile yes yes um, so just that some of those quiet moments up there that really come to mind yeah yeah well i think chris you've just proved that you're human <laughs> you know you're both a, a human and getting involved in a project like that with so many unknowns a difficult for you on your side a difficulty with the language certainly and communication it must be a frustration it was to begin with, too, I have to say, much less that, so now. And a show from being very much a city girl. I mean, it's an extraordinary a challenge you've taken on, and I think it's, it's admirable that you are still together in all of this. And I'm sure lots of people are going to be coming out to enjoy it. I certainly am looking forward to coming and spending some time there and helping out if I can in, in any way. Well, you know, help be very welcome, but your enthusiasm will be even more welcome. It's just the... It's the joy of sharing these things that we've discovered with other people that is, is probably, I think it's going to be the greatest joy in, in the future. You know, all sorts of things like why people are the way they are there, uh, the natural history of the place, you know, be, show being able to say, oh, that's a, a purple whatnot butterfly that's just fluttered by. Me being able to say, oh, that's a, a you know, brown barbit, brown-cheeked barbit bird. And all of these things, uh, yeah. sharing, I think, is going to be a real, a real joy for us. Absolutely, and I think also when, when people see something that has been so close to you for such a long, well, not a long period of time, but for two or three years, when you have new eyes seeing things for the fresh eyes, seeing things for the first time, it will probably remind you of all the things that you were very excited about at the yeah. very beginning that, that have just become very ordinary to you now yeah. as well. So, yeah. And that sort of, I think, just refreshes your mind of all the things that you were excited about and the first you almost seeing it again. Well I hope so, so yeah. yeah. But also, you know, sharing what people bring to us, reminding ourselves that of um, there are good things going on in the outside world, however much we've retreated into our little paradise. Yes, yes. And in fact, actually, sorry, one, I shouldn't keep, I've got so many questions I want to ask you, but this current period with this pandemic, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, going on has that been a real struggle for you or have you managed to be quite removed from that in India and just have been able to get on with doing what you were doing without it impacting on on you um, too negatively uh, we're very but we were extremely like are extremely lucky where we were partly because the public health system in Kerala is is so good you know, it's under-resourced, but they by really use those resources efficiently, it seems to me. Um, so that side of it was taken care of. I mean, there were lockdowns, so we had to suffer that. But, you know, we were in lockdown in paradise in some ways. Yes. You know, even though we couldn't move around very much, we could still go for walks in these utterly beautiful places. Um, yeah. Extraordinarily lucky. And uh, the immediacy of the pandemic is so much greater here. I, we, I've read the same sources of news, you know, BBC, Guardian. I read in uh, Kerala, I read here, but in Kerala it's so much easier to sort of read it and then put it aside, whereas here you just feel it's, you can't, you know. Yes. I mean, I lost yeah. quite a lot of sleep over the American election. I can't imagine I would have done that in, in Kerala. <laughs> Yes, you wouldn't have given it the um, airtime. No, <laughs> there are too many other no, things that are more important. But yeah, isn't that something about where you are and what becomes important changes so radically when you're 
not in a city like London and you're not confronted with the news basically every couple of minutes. It changes things very radically and probably for the better, positively for your own mental state. I think there's a huge therapy in the attitude of the local people and, and that is they take things as, as they come uh, and that's partly because there's less control over life so you're a bit more accepting. A lot of them are agricultural, you know, have agricultural incomes yes. uh, and they are really at the mercy of, of the elements and especially the last few years with the, with the bad monsoons they've lost out a lot. Yes, you know, yeah. Crops have been wiped out, flooded just irretrievable, you know, um, oh and they lose quite a lot of money that they invested in the inputs for these crops. And sure, some people go under, and unfortunately the suicide rate amongst farmers is, is quite high. Is it? Yeah. Um, in India as a whole, but also in Kerala. But at the same time, those that don't go under have a, have a sort of acceptance that maybe it's a faith that things will get better. Uh, you know, as an outsider, you're not constantly having to deal with other people's anxieties because no, no. large they're not particularly anxious people yes um, and their fear of death or dying from a virus must be pretty low down their list of fears or worries compared to actual day-to-day -day living and survival it's not a so i don't know a drc experience or anything like that what, what do you mean know, DRC? A, a democratic republic of congo you know it's not yeah it's or, or Africa, in many places in Africa, these are you're sort of knocking on the door of being middle-income people, uh, but with a fair, still a fair amount of variation in income. Yes. Uh, despite it being Kerala, Kerala being more equal, so they they do they do worry about things like Corona. So when when the epidemic there started out, there was a lot there were a lot of people who were. Um, who were pretty worried about, you know, catching the virus. Was, you know, they just didn't know enough about it. And it, the media there, it's not as if people are cut off. They really do uh, learn about things through the media. Yeah. Um, so once they got over the idea that everyone was going to die, that, which is a terrible characterisation, but course, you know, there, yes. was, there was there was quite a lot of concern. Once they, once those initial concerns were put to rest, people just got on with life in a way that. People can't hear, no. partly because of greater restrictions. So, as I say, we we benefited a lot from uh, from the attitude of the local people. Um, yes. Okay, Chris. I think we've talked. We have talked so much, and I added an extra few questions in there just when I was about to wind it up, just to <laughs> put you on the spot there. But um, I'd just like to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And we've wandered along the the beach, the Thameside beach. The tide came in, we've climbed over a gate, and now we're back into uh, the big bad world of London and traffic. So I think it's a good time to, to say thank you well, and was, to uh, all. It was actually really enjoyable. <laughs> I was listening to Desert Island Discs earlier today, yeah. uh, and uh, I thought, that, I was thinking afterwards, well, maybe this, this interview would be the closest I ever get to being a guest on Desert Island Discs. So, <laughs> I, I well, thought, I take that as a compliment. Where, where's the closest I can get to a desert island in London? So I thought of, you know, I thought the beach. Of the beach. London yeah. Beach. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really enjoyed it. So, to all podcast listeners out there, yeah, you've got the YouTube link that you can give me. Any other links? I'll I, uh, blank. I mean, I'd, blank. perhaps okay. I'll, I'll, um, I'll drop you a line afterwards yes. and talk to Shay about okay. how, how we can That's achieve that. 
Okay. Well, to all the podcast listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast with Chris Collinson. I hope it's been inspiring for you. It certainly has been for me. I'm so looking forward to going out to India now and to give you the next interview, which will be with show probably a year from now and things have moved on significantly. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please share with your friends. Please subscribe and please give us a review or rating. That would be very much appreciated. We'll be back next week with another podcast guest. But for now, take care and thanks for listening. Thank you.